What I've learned from you and Karen Hurd is that most problems in our body are an overproduction or underproduction of hormones and that it's this fine cocktail that's happening all day, every day in our system. So I got to believe that the nourishment we're putting in our body that's helping to regulate and flush out, detoxify and digest these hormones really matters first. Hello and welcome back to the Your Great Podcast with your host, Unique Hammond. I am a integrative health coach, nutrition professional. I run courses that empower and support people really honing in on their individualized nutrition and how to best support their bodies for the kind of life and health they want. Being on this protocol over the last 11 years has helped me live my absolute best life from the inside out. In a couple of weeks here, I will be turning 48 and I have never felt better. I've never felt stronger and I've never felt more balanced. So I, I love it. I honor the individual and I'm so happy each and every one of you are here with me today. My next course, my next 12 week course will be running in May. So if you're interested, you can head to my website, yourgreat.com, and sign up for the waitlist. You will be the first to be able to sign up for the course. And I do cap it because I've noticed on Zoom that if you have enough people and enough people show up from varying calls that you get really nice energy and all of that good stuff. So I've been playing with the size to get that sweet spot, and I think I've found it. Today, I have on the podcast Shayla, a client of mine from 2021. I've worked with her and her husband over the last couple of years. Shayla really caught her health and made changes before she was taken down by poor habits, stress overload. She's a high achiever. I resonate with a lot of the way she lives and lived. And, you know, really for someone like her who's driven from within Nutrition is really a support, a counterbalance to allowing her to live her best life so that she really doesn't burn out and find herself in a health crisis like I did. And to her credit, she really course corrected before her health took a total nosedive. And as someone who is in constant growth, she is always looking at her life and how to create balance in it. And I'm really excited to share her story because not everybody in my community has had a major health crisis like I have. And I don't think, I think a lot of people will actually resonate with her story of being the high achiever and ultimately noticing she was having these imbalances in her health and fatigue, but also realizing that she needed to make a change because those little white flags from our body can ultimately lead to bigger problems down the road, which are, are exactly the ones that I ignored, by the way. So I'm happy you're here. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It is spirited. It is high energy. I love chatting with Shayla. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for being here. Shayla, welcome to the Your Great Podcast. I am really excited to have you here. I have to say that we started working together back in 2021, and I don't make a, a habit of following my clients just because I kind of actually don't want to know anything about them. I really want to have no judgments, no expectations, nothing. I really just want to meet them in my ears, listening to them, figuring out what they want for themselves, figuring out where they want to go and how I can support them get there. So I don't really follow my clients in general. And then when you reached out and wanted me to come and speak to your community, I was like, you know what? I should probably really get a sense of your community and what you do. And so I started following you and I was like, son of a gun, I got a badass on my hands who, you know, after absorbing some of your, some of you and your content, I mean, I knew I, I really liked you and your husband and working with both of you. I knew that like just on a soul level, I was like, these, these are really great people, my people. But then after following you, I was like, wow, I love the energy you put into your life. I love the way you inspire others. I love how you show up, not just for your community, but now it made so much sense why it was so important for you to be healthy and to really zone in 
and, and drill down in your health habits, what was working for your body, what wasn't working for your body. It just made sense because you strike me as a person who lives, who likes to live optimal um, yes. and doesn't make excuses for not. So I just want to say how happy I am to have you here today, but also how lovely it is the work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. I think that is really amazing because we're all watching you live your life and are so inspired by you every day. And I just posted in anticipation of doing this podcast with you, just the one post you did about your 2024 goals and wanting to speak Spanish and you know all the things that you do. And so uh, the gratitude goes right back to you because you sharing your life on vacation or getting on and streaming on a Sunday and sharing your thoughts or things that inspire you really continue that relationship. So even though you and I haven't been on a one-on-one health journey relationships, you probably have no idea the impact that you're continuing to make for all of us that stay connected to you. And, you know, I've always said like the greatest thing that we can do for others is actually healing ourselves. And as Gail and I have been on a parenting journey, our kids are 10 and 13. I mean, we started seeing a parenting coach, uh, a therapist, whatever, early, like when the kids were four and trying to figure out how do we be our best selves for them? How do we deal with these little souls that are challenging the hell out of us? And ultimately, we've just come down to the best thing that we can do for them is to continue to be on a journey of healing and transforming ourselves. And so as you've been doing that, in your own life and in your work and being willing to share all of it, the good, the bad, the messy, we've all benefited. So anyway, how cool that social media does that for us too. So I'm really, I'm like, I am blown away that you invited me to come be on your podcast. I'm really excited. Well, I, I just really wanted you to share, you know, what called you a, to pick up the, you know, jump on my website and book in and start your journey with me and of the bean protocol of all things. Like I I would just love for you to share that, but also I love that you're a woman in business. So you don't have a lot of time and you're still figuring out ways to take care of yourself. And I think that a lot of the people I work with can really relate to that because the conversation I hear of women in business who are entrepreneurs is that they don't have time. And I had this too don't have time to take care of myself, don't have time to show up for myself. I just have time to do, do, do. And in fact, showing up for ourselves makes in the, in the long run, um, makes everything else possible. So I think it's, it's really beautiful that you have figured out a way to find that balance for yourself. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent the classic case of a type A super driver personality. And, you know, I'm 40, almost 43 this week, next week. And, um, you know, the first 10, 15 years of my career, it was never about checking in with myself. It was about, you know, w- w- just stuff it and rock and roll, right? So whatever it is that was getting in my way, whether it's a little cold or whether it's an ache or pain or whether it's, you know, feeling insecure or, or not feeling in balance or whatever, it was like, those are not productive feelings. So we're going to go ahead and shove those over to the side and we'll you know, handle that later or not at all. And we'll just grind it out. And it's funny because I was analyzing that this morning. I think the generations, you know, friends of mine that are in their mid thirties or in their mid twenties are actually way more self-aware and really trying to figure out how to build sustainable careers and sustainable relationships and, and work at a sustainable pace. And I don't know if they're using that word sustainable or balance, but there came a point in my career where I realized the biggest asset I have is my longevity in the business. Because if I just burn out like a flame at 40 years old or 38 or whatever, all of my gifts, all of my talents, all the skills that I've worked so hard to hone and create, they're done. They're no longer actually returning um, on the investment. And so I don't know when that shift happened for me because I had a lot of urgency from a young age. I started reading nutrition books and going to leadership seminars and doing personal self-help, self-growth at like 16. I dropped out of college after one year because people were just moving too slow. Like I wanted to go get in life and create and build. And, you know, for whatever reason, I really bought into this belief that, you know, money makes you more secure, which thereby makes you feel more peaceful or happy or whatever it is. And so I had that singular focus with this 
insane amount of urgency. Like I had a journey, a place I needed to get to ASAP. And so I was willing to sacrifice everything else. And the last thing I would say is that I had a mentor that says, if it doesn't make you money, don't do it. So it's like doing laundry, that doesn't make you any money, don't do it. Washing your car, that doesn't make you money, don't do it. So very different to the way I coach people today and different to the generations of today that are like, but wait a minute, there's more to life than just one thing, than just making money or just having a career. And and I've known that from a very young age that I'm type A and I can hone in and focus to the extreme. And I've wanted balance more than anything. And I think what meeting you has allowed me to do is actually bring balance into my body, like truly feel what hormonal balance means, truly feel like, woo, I have an emotional hangover because yesterday was my daughter's birthday and I started the day like crying and having this cathartic release or, you know, we had some extreme stress at bedtime last night and now I have this emotional hangover and like, what are the ways in which I can work with my body to get back into balance and get back into wellness and get back into feeling good? And, and for whatever reason, you just brought all the pieces to me unique. I mean, there's probably a lot of people when they meet you have been trying a bazillion things, just like your own personal story. Um, but everything that you have taught and talked about just finally clicked. And maybe it's you know when the student is ready, the teacher appears. But I think it's your example and what you've lived and done through that's really like given all of us the hope to say, okay, if she can do it, I can do it. And I try to say that all the time is that if I can do it, anybody can do it because I fell into the category that you're talking about of type A. I, I came from nothing. I was obsessed with creating my life, my security, you know, having that strong foundation and urgency as well to to really do that and then once i was a single mom with two kids it was like you know pedal to the metal take care of them create security and and work my ass off and not really consider the longevity of the vehicle that was allowing me to do all of those things so really my illness was this wake up call of you can't do things the way you've always done them and expect different results i had to my my body pulled me to the side of the road with a bunch of flat tires and the hood up and steam <laughs> coming out. And that was the moment where I realized that if I don't start a relationship with my body, a loving relationship with my body, where I actually slow down and value something other than financial security, that I was going to drive it into an early grave. And my autoimmune disorder was kind of you know, I think I'd, I'd missed a lot of the warning signs along the way, just because I was so focused on kids and showing up for them and showing up for career and, you know, and all of that, that I, I just didn't listen to the warning signs. So I love, you know, I have a lot of different clients, not all of, many of them are not type A, but a lot of them are disassociated from their body. And that disassociation allows us to override and sometimes yep. override is needed. As a parent, as a person in the world, sometimes we do need to override, right? There is that sense of like, you know, got to show up even though I know I need to rest because of whatever it is, right? But if we spend more time listening and seeing if we can, you know, build a life that is in relationship to our health versus against our health, and we're constantly sacrificing our health for the life that we built, then there's this great imbalance. And and I love sharing the balance that I've come to because it was really hard earned. So the balance that you're talking about, that moment of like reconnection to self, it's great that you're a badass. It's great. I mean, I'm inspired by you all the time. Like it's like, you know, one of the things recently, it's like, it's not good. It's great. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's right. It's not good. Like it's not about good health. It's about fucking great health, you know? And I think it's, it's beautiful and important, but that counterbalance is so important. That internal calm, that internal anchoring of nourishment. And I do think that nourishment at its deepest level sets us free and, yeah. and listening to our body ultimately sets us free for the long run, you know, for like, like you said, like, I think you did go through a form of burnout at some point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We got to talk about that. I think, I think it's really defining what success looks like to all of us, because if you are tapped into being an achiever, it's, being in the United States is a really hard culture to be in 
because it feeds that story at such a rampant rate and it never slows down. And it's put in front of our faces everywhere of you're not doing enough. You could be more productive. How do you get more efficient? How do you produce more? I mean, it's ridiculous. I even storied today. I like literally run from my office to the bathroom and back. I bring my phone because I might as well get two or three more text messages done while I'm peeing and running back. It's just crazy. But this is this is Shayla. This is who I am. This is how I'm wired. And so what I learned a long time ago in, in trying to figure out myself and go, okay, this is how I am. And fundamentally, I'm not going to change a whole lot. So how do I work with myself so that success looks like longevity so that I don't look like that one dimensional person that's only got one thing going on. Like I said at 35, if I died tomorrow and everybody came to my funeral and said, wow, she's just been such a great business person, like a hell of a salesperson, what she's built in business is amazing. I'd be like, okay. But because I do think if you want to be great, you do need to obsessively focus and get it that excited and passionate and all in about what you're doing, but you've got to know when, when you <laughs> win to balance, right? And most of us don't know how to stop, right? It's, that's not what happens. So I was like at 35, that's okay. Because I've really needed, it's taken every bit of my effort and energy to build my business and to build my life and to get married. And I believe that life has lived in these seven year cycles that, you know, every cell in our body overturns and, and revitalizes. We have new eyeballs every seven years. We have new skin and hair and bones. So if you think about life in these seven-year cycles, so 28 to 35, that was a heavy seven-year cycle of I got married. I had two babies. I built a business from scratch. So, okay, let's give myself some grace and, you know, there, but like, if at 37, at 38, at 40, at 42, if that was all that would be said, and I'm knowing being extreme, but like that I'm so one dimensional that that's it. Like, that's not what I want my life to be about. That's not what I am trying to build. That's not really what success means to me. It might be in the American culture. Well, let me just put you on some ranking of the, you know, how successful you are, how much assets you have, blah, blah, blah. How many followers you have, how many students you have, like some metric to say that we are successful. But it started to me going, you know what? I want to look sexier and feel better at 43 than I did at 42. Like I'm totally interested in reverse aging. I'm totally interested in having more vitality and flexibility and improving things like my skiing and surfing and like whoever said that you had to peak at 25 years old athletically or, you know, from just even a physical appearance, like I, it's, it's just mind blowing. So like meeting you and knowing that you're cut from that same cloth and you had your own, you know, wake up call and you did it was like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. And my wake up call was definitely burnout. It was, it was just constant health stuff. I, I was constantly sick, you know, and then of course I would just power through and work while sick. And I had a cocktail of like day quilt for the day with some sort of like decongestion. And, and then, and then I'd be on that stuff for like two weeks because it would take so long. And I swear it was like I was like on speed or something at the, like I knew fundamentally this is not right, but I didn't know how to be another way. And it's amazing that like adopting a way of eating that's focused on my nervous system and focused on my hormones, like changed everything. Cause it wasn't like, you know, I'm now doing the vegan diet and then I'm doing the keto diet. And then I'm doing the carnivore diet because I, I want to lose 10% body fat or, you know, 15 pounds. It was actually like, no, my nervous system is wrecked. I'm in survival mode all the time. I'm reactive to my kids and my husband, or I'm completely shut down. Like when you say disassociated from my body, the way I handled stress was just disassociate from it altogether because I just, I didn't have the, 
the control of my, my nervous system was like literally fried. So yeah, I start eating beans. I start paying attention to cortisol and adrenaline and this cocktail that I've lived on and probably like, I mean, not only been addicted to, but like thought it was a superpower. <laughs> so then going, okay, I can still kick some serious ass and have a more regulated, you know, nervous system. Cultivate a little bit of calm. And I, you know, there's so much wisdom in calm. There's wisdom in flying by the seat of your pants. Uh, there's a, a lot of wisdom learned by the mentality of live fast, die young, which was my older daughter's uh, tagline, uh, you know, which is kind of what you're talking about, that real go, 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 don't look back, don't look down, you know, always looking up kind of thing. I didn't ever think about it in that way. But when I look back at my life, the live fast, die young really made sense when my my daughter said it, because I'd be like, hey, why don't you just rest tonight? Mom, rest when I dead you know, live fast, die yep. young. And I was like, no, how about not, how about not die young? How about that part? Not do that. Like, that would be great as your mom, you know, her famous line was that's a future me problem. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but I think a lot of people in that disassociated state, that is what disease comes is a future me problem. Right. And so yep. I love to educate on making these little changes and nourishing your body properly allows your body to come into a balance. And that's not a technical term or a scientific term. And I hear people in the social space all the time saying, there's no such thing as balancing hormones. Well, if you're a woman and you ever lived in a body that hormones are not imbalanced, you know exactly what that means. You know, you're irritated, your breasts are tender, your period is taking you down. You're looking at your husband like a praying mantis when they come in the room, you know, like, you know, we know that term. We understand that feeling state in our body of not being imbalanced. And a lot of times our menstrual cycles, our cortisol, our adrenaline and norepinephrine, all of these cascade of hormones in our body, when they are not working together in a in a symbiotic way we don't feel grounded we don't feel calm we feel anxious and reactive and when i discovered that simply by nourishing my body properly and getting enough vegetables and soluble fiber and healthy fats and proteins that i could actually calm the inner reactions the inner adrenalized responses the PMS that would go on for two weeks, it was a game changer for me as a high adrenaline maker. And I know just by, well, talking to you, you know, in 2021 that, oh yeah, we have a high adrenaline maker. We have somebody who lives on that tipping point all the time. And you don't have to change that. That is your nature. As you said, it's not about changing your nature. It's about bringing in a little wisdom, taking care of yourself a little better so that you can continue to live that, that Shayla mode, you know, but yeah. not do it at the expense of your health. I would agree. I, you know, what I came to realizing because, you know, I've been in the mortgage industry, I'm going on my 20th year. And, you know, if I said, like you said, if I'm going to do something, I'm not going to just be average. I'm not going to be great. I'm going to be like the greatest of the great, like figure it out, be obsessed, do it. And, and it's been the most rewarding industry because I've been able to personally grow and figure it out. But I'm so inclined the minute I learn something to teach others, which is why the minute I've, I've evangelized the bean protocol and people are like, oh gosh, Shayla's talking about the beans again. But there's nothing else that I've ever done consistently for three or four years in a row. My husband at the exact same time that we actually feel a connection to the overall goals that we have in our lives. And that is it's not hard. It's it just, it's really clean and easy to make the decisions on. But in 2018, 2019, so I would be about 37, 38. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how do I balance? How do I, you know, raise these two daughters, build a house, support family members who have gone through addiction, grow at a really fast pace, somehow be healthy myself. It, it, it was just still spinning very, very, very fast. And I had a coach that had me do what's called a personal offsite. 
And anybody that wants to get this document, or I could send it to you, Unique, and maybe people DM me for it. But basically, what he assigned me to do was go take a weekend by myself and do nothing that I would normally do. I love that already. But speak so. I wasn't allowed to like send text messages or do dishes or go on social media, like any of the things that you normally do, Shayla, just break that pattern because you're trying to create and stimulate the creativity within yourself and find some rest and this deeper level of, of creativity in our brains really that we don't access when we're so on just go, 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 go mode. So the first day, of course, I write a to-do list and I'm like, or, you know, I could, do watercolor painting and I could watch comedy and I could go on long walks and I could do a workout and I could sit in the hot tub and blah, blah, blah. And so I do that for the whole day. And then the second day was about waking up and then sitting with the journal and answering all these prompts. And the prompts were like really good, you know, dig into your soul, open up your heart and really like connect with yourself. You know, when have you experienced joy in the last seven days? in the last 30, in the last six months, if you had no obligations to anybody or anything, what would you do? Oh, I, I want to know just, the answer to that yeah. one. What was your answer to that one? <laughs> I, I could pull it. You know, I, I think, I mean, travel, like the three things that come up for me is that I want, that I've always thought is that I want to be madly in love. I want to make an impact and I want to travel the world. I don't know when that bubbled up for me, but it was just like, boom, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm going for. And so I'm sure the if you didn't have any obligations, it would be like fully traveling. <laughs> this is what I'm doing and I'm seeing the world. And But in that offsite, I really was thinking about how so much of my life was not joyful because I was moving so quickly. And it was like, well, it's the mundane things that I need to find a practice of joy with, like doing the dishes and doing the bedtime routine with the girls and preparing the food for the family or my lunches or whatever. And how do how do I do that? How do I start shifting up the way of my being so I can expand a little bit, not necessarily change, but just kind of push the boundaries out a little bit from, from the way I've been. And it was in that that I also realized that I wanted to live a dream of living abroad. And I didn't get to do it in college because I dropped out and got right into working young. So it was in that that time with myself that I said, you know what? I want to live abroad. And our daughters are six and nine years old. And if we don't do it now, they're going to become teen. It'll be really hard to take them. So we set a plan together. I, you know, I came home, of course, my two days alone to Galen and was like, guess what, babe? We're moving to Spain. <laughs> And fortunately, I had all this support from my business and from my husband and my family. And, and it wasn't easy to, to figure it out, but I was determined at that point. And a big part of going to Spain was to change focus, you know, to take the worship off of money and success and business growth first and primary. Because I could say all I want. I, other things were priority, but my behavior and my calendar would tell you a whole other story. And shift that to really family first, adventure, filling my soul, living, and and really a focus from going from doing all the time. What do, you know in America we always say, "What do you do? What are you doing? What are you doing this weekend? What did you do?" To just being. And Europe is so good for the soul in the sense that people are just being. We don't have to talk about a lot of stuff that we're talking about with people in Europe because they just haven't bought into the matrix and this hustle culture and that your value is your performance and your value is your achievements. So anyway, we went and it was during that time that I got a podcast from you from a friend. And so that's when we started the Bean Protocol. And then the more I listened and learned from you, the more I was like, I want to have a deeper relationship with Unique and customize what I'm doing. And that's how we got into there. So I made some lifestyle choices to figure out a way to create some slowness in my life, to divest. We had a full-time nanny. I ended up having like, I turn around and go, how do I have five vehicles? Like, how do I have, you know, my mother-in-law and my mom, my mom works for me. My sister works for me. I have a nanny full-time. I live next to my mother-in-law. Like there's so much noise and, and, and stuff and people and responsibilities in my life. Like how can we pare that down a little 
and do it. And and so Spain was a, a great thing to do. And of course, my business blew up. I've never been more successful or made more money. Largely COVID affected. The market did what it did. But I was able to work less in a very focused way in my zone of genius. I was able to be intentional about my time for myself, my time for Galen, the time for the girls. And we really focused on nourishing ourselves. And did we really, you notice really did. the difference when you started nourishing yourself? And and what difference did you notice? I'm curious. Well, it's funny because I think when you shared your story that I, I would always, people would always say, oh, Shayla is so healthy. You know, I, I read Suzanne Summers' books about food combining when I was 16. So I wouldn't eat proteins and and grains together. I would only eat whole wheat grains, never anything that was enriched. You know, during my pregnancy, I ate organic. I mean, Galen would see a bottle of water and be like, what are you doing? Or like, you know, tomatoes that weren't organic. And I'm like, chill, like, you know, it's a balance. So I've always, I've been off gluten for a long time. So I, I think in a way I conditioned my body early to be almost sensitive because I was really a fine-tuned machine young. I wasn't really unhealthy in that way. I was more unhealthy in my hormonal, this, this cortisol and adrenaline balance. And then also I do think that, that my emotional story around food was definitely there. I, I would definitely notice I'm stressed. I eat. I tell myself a story that often we all do like, oh, I've worked so hard. I deserve a treat. So on the outside looking in, people would say, oh my gosh, Shayla's already so healthy. She rarely has sugar. She doesn't eat any gluten. She doesn't do dairy. But I knew, I noticed the difference. I was not thinking about these words like nourishment. I was not thinking about these words like sustainability and longevity. I was not thinking about being sexier and having more vitality at all. I was kind of like, you know, just power through and make it happen. The other thing is I really, I really grew up thinking like I need to be low maintenance. Like I really, I really held tight that call me lazy or selfish or high maintenance and we're going to have problems. And what turns out is like tapping into my lazy in Spain, like slowing down, actually laying on the couch in the middle of the day <laughs> was actually like amazing. I found more creativity. I found more flow. I found like more clarity in what I needed to be doing to achieve my goals when I embraced my lazy. Selfish is a big trigger word for a lot of people. And I definitely can lean on codependency and have, have been way out of balance there. And, and now I've realized like, no, like selfish. If I don't, I'm selfless. And I'm just, I'm either dissociated or I'm overreacting and, and I'm sick. And that's really crappy. And I, you share that so beautifully in your own stories. I had to embrace these things. Like I need, I need to be a little lazy and I need to be a lot selfish. And by the way, I'm very lazy at certain things. Like I'm actually lazy at home with the kids because I was trained young. If it doesn't make you money, don't do it. So, you know, and, and I justify probably like a lot of breadwinners are like, well, I've just had a big day at work and now the kids are over there screaming, you go deal with it. Right. <laughs> and I might not say that out loud, but that's what I'm saying to myself. So I'm actually totally lazy and I'm actually really selfish because I work like a maniac. And yet early on, if I was broke and I had to pay the bills, sure. I could say that's for others, but once you achieve a certain level of comfort and success, let's be real, all the extra working and the accolades and all that stuff, that was selfish. That was for me to feed me and this, you know, this need I had to get acknowledgement and love from others. So I don't know, it's, this work is about so much more than just like, eat this and don't eat that. And when it comes from this place of sustainability and nervous system and feeling like I can continue, it's, it's amazing. Like to me, that's what winning really looks like now. What winning really looks like is I have the energy to exercise three times a week. I do it with my trainer in Spain on Zoom. 
I was just telling her, I'm like, I cannot believe it's been like two years consistently. My body is completely transformed because I don't have one rib sticking out over here, one shoulder that pops up and down and a hip that's always hurting because I sit on my ass at my desk all day. And then the, the hip connector back here. I mean, I was in so much pain at 38 years old. You think like, and I, I'm a former gymnast. I'm an athlete. Like, I shouldn't be in pain sitting around, but it's because I didn't take the time to do all these things. And now by eating on the bean protocol and by sleeping, prioritizing sleep and being selfish and going in a sauna and walking and all the things that I've started adding in to nourish myself, I feel like I'm winning because I've got this crazy zest and energy and push and I could be in the go zone, if you will. Yeah. And some of the things that you're talking about really fascinate me. And I think the first person I really heard it from was Esther Perel, where she talked about how in relationships, you know, we give everything to our careers and then we come home to our relationship and we have nothing left to give. So how do we, and it's interesting to me that the one thing that's hardest for humans to do is balance. And yet When it comes to nourishment, balance is key. When it comes to working out, balance is key. When it comes to rest and go, balance is key. And so if you look around, and I'm one of those people that loves to take in a lot of complex information from a lot of places and distill it into simplicity. In my courses, I teach protein, fat, and fiber. Easiest way to distill a great nourishing diet, right? Fiber and all the vegetables and the beans, healthy fats, need those. Amino acids, protein protein, fat, and fiber, right? Distill it down, make it easy. Almost too easy. People are like, wait, health is that easy? I'm like, yeah, the hard part is figuring out how much you need. And if you're under more stress, you actually probably need a little bit more of those amino acids and those minerals from the from the, you know, from those whole veggies, that fiber, they, they hold in them a lot of the nutrients we need, but anyway, balance. And so often that type A person can get so out of balance because they're so focused on the financial prize that they come home and they don't have anything left for the romance of the relationship, for the connection of the relationship. We do that with our bodies. We're so focused. I was so focused on the size of the body I wanted. I didn't focus on the content or the longevity of the body, right? So balance? Like how do we balance all of these things in our lives? And as a entrepreneur, I see that in you as an entrepreneur. I see that in myself, the wisdom I'm turning 48 in a couple of weeks here. And the wisdom of my illness was really distilling balance so deeply into me that I find joy and you, and I want to bring it back to joy also, because you were talking about finding joy in everything, everyday things. The last thing I do every night is sweep. The house. I love it. It's so it brings me so much joy. And I know that sounds funny. I don't have kids in the house anymore, by the way, because if it, if I did, I'd be falling asleep in one of their beds, you know, when they were young, like reading to them, that was the last thing. But for me, the last thing I do is sweep and it's weird, but I love it. And it's like, I love doing laundry. Like these things that I was like, don't have time for, don't want to do. I actually really enjoy. And they bring me calm, making bread calm. So how do I find the balance of drive and go and, and joy in the everyday? And I love that you brought this up because I think this is such an important topic of balance of like finding joy in everyday things, giving yourself permission to lay on the couch and no, it's not because you're lazy. It's because you are creating balance in your life. And for the person who go, go, goes, the most insecure thing is, is to not be going. So to give yourself that don't go, stay here, be present, be here now create energy, create balance. Nourishing ourselves is the greatest way to create balance in our lives. It's that counterweight to the outside go. It's the internal weight to the calm, less reactive nervous system. So I don't know if you've found that over the years of being on the beam protocol, but for me, I I didn't ever think I would be 11 years in and here I am the healthiest I've ever been, the most balanced I've ever been, the most calm I've ever been. Well, I think it starts with an intention. And so, you know, usually we have to come to a wake up call of some place. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's our health slams us down. You know, for me, it was that continually being sick and being tired all the time and then drinking coffee all day at three o'clock and going and then being in physical pain and, and just like, and then the inconsistent digestion and always feeling like that, that insecurity around what is it that I could eat. And then the confusion about 
you know, oh, fats are bad. Now they're good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I first think that intention and hopefully what people would take out of this conversation more than anything is really like, what does it look like to be healthy for you? What does winning look like? What does success look like? And knowing also the seven-year cycle that you're in, I have a worksheet actually to think about, you know, I, I did this for a retreat I held back in November and I, I broke down all the way to 99 years old, the seven-year cycles, and then said, in this seven-year cycle, what did I focus on? What did I learn? What did I care about? And then I'm thinking ahead on the seven years. So I'm on the 42 to 49. You're coming up to the end of the same seven-year cycle. And then from, you know, 49 to what is the next one? A seven times seven is 49 to 56. 56. You know, what do you want 49 to 56 to look like? What do you want 56 to 63 to look like? What do you want 63 to 70 to look like? And one of the benefits I had is my grandmother's 94. She just turned 94. And she's just somebody that I want to be. If, if you've ever written your eulogy, which is a, another coaching assignment I had, and I think it was on that same retreat that I did that I wrote my last one, but it was like, what would I want my granddaughter to say about me at my funeral? You know, what kind of what kind of person, what kind of energy am I gonna have? What kind of mobility am I gonna have? And you said it the other day when I interviewed you at when I'm doing these like squats or whatever I was doing this morning, I'm thinking about my 80-year-old self and saying, she's going to be so happy that you're, you know, working on your hip stabilization so that hopefully I'm not needing a new hip because that's the trajectory I was going on in my early 20s. So I think it's the intention and then it's having a plan and you put together that plan for people. And and then having a vision, which you also show us the vision, like this is what's possible through through your journey and through all the other people that you put in front of us. Those testimonials I gravitate to all the time, watching people skin. I mean, like I just I just want to stop people in the airport and go, oh my gosh, do you know about this? <laughs> but I think first you have to conceive it, then you have to believe it, and then you can go achieve it. And when you finally get pissed off enough, or you finally get determined enough, or you finally get sick enough, you just go, okay, I'm going to start caring about hormonal balance and nervous system regulation. And what I've noticed about being a high achiever is this, everything's generally on a pendulum. And I find people that are either on the far end of the pendulum, just grinding so hard, just ignoring everything else. The check engine line is on, but you're putting a bandaid over that. You're not looking at it. You are just <laughs> gunning and running to burn out, been there, done that for a long time, or there's all the way other side of the pendulum, which is now I'm in self-protection mode. And you know, now I've, I've ruined everything. So now I'm going to pull way, way back in my life and I'm going to stop doing like everything. Like it's a reactionary thing. I'm not going to go to networking events. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to blow up my friendships. I'm going to, everything's toxic. Everything's a problem. And it's, it's obviously way too far. And I definitely lived that a little bit in my Spain world a little bit, because I was kind of like, I was actually afraid of myself and my decision-making abilities. And what, what eventually we want to get to is this middle zone which is the power zone, which is where we can access adrenaline and cortisol to gear up and kick ass and speak on stages and dominate whatever sport <laughs> thing is that day or write a new, another book or host a podcast or whatever our dreams are. But with like, like bumper bowling lanes where, you know, like, Ooh, I'm getting a little over here. I got to bump it in and Ooh, I'm kind of over here, like holding myself up and hiding away and not playing big in my life and not challenging myself. And I think just choosing to go on this journey was about choosing myself. Yeah. And you, and you are not playing small, you are playing big, but now you know how to support yourself in this big life that you want. And I think that's such an important message for anybody listening. What you're talking about, the pendulum of being either way out there and disassociated from our health or this side of the map where we're obsessed with our health and our and our diagnosis, right? Like it could have been very easy that I swung from disassociation out here to, oh my God, I have Crohn's disease. This is my life and becoming shelled away internally and obsessed with my diagnosis. And that happened, right? Where I was like, oh shit. And then there was the thawing out of like, no, I am not my disease. I am so much bigger than my disease or my illness or whatever's holding me back or my fear. 
that pendulum swing and then coming to the middle of like, take care of myself, but continue to live your best life. Like don't, don't hide, learn how to take care of yourself, learn how to fuel yourself, learn how to nourish yourself and live that incredible big life that you want for yourself, whatever it looks like. And and in no comparison to anybody else, right? Really finding that sweet spot of you're being authentic to yourself. And I feel that from you. I feel like you are not living small. You are nourishing yourself. You are making course corrections as you go. If you feel like something's out of balance, you're paying attention. And I think that's having the capacity to pay attention, having the capacity to go, ooh, gone too far. I need to pull this back in. Need a little bit more for myself. Need a little bit more for my family. Need a little bit more. And that's okay. I think that is the, the journey of a human life is like, you know, not to live in black or white, but to live in this beautiful, powerful zone of nourishment, both mind, body, spirit, you know, living your best life. I love that. You said something else earlier that I I wanted to touch on when we say something is, is important, but the reality of our actions is not showing up for what's important. Like that's mm-hmm. such an important thing to presence. I, I hear a lot, my health is so important, but then our actions don't actually show up for that. Really interesting. Yeah. Well, our choices are really showing what our priorities are. And you say that a lot. It's about your choices. And that's a really empowering thing to say, I get to make the choice. You know, now when I go to a restaurant, I'm like, hey, I, you know, I can have butter, but no milk. So none of that. I don't do any canola oil, no gluten, no corn. And that's just what works for me. And I know that over time, maybe I can, but like, I go to these restaurants, like, tell me what you can make me. I was in Nashville last week and it's all like Southern food. And they're like, I'm like, can you bring me a steak? Do we have any beans in there? You know, you just figure it out. But I'm okay being high maintenance because I'm choosing me. Mm -hmm. And so my actions and my choices are aligning with my priorities. And we can go into all of that. I had a couple of questions for you. One being this hormonal change that happens through perimenopause or menopause and the estrogen thing. Cause I feel like my journey up into this point has really been the cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine. That's, that's where I've lived and what I've needed to learn how to balance. But I know there's obviously real things and components for us women with estrogen and progesterone and all that good stuff. Is there anything that you tell people when they're in that menopausal cycle and estrogen's really causing a problem? It's maybe bringing them down into depression or just feeling lethargic and grumpy, like, is there anything that you do in working with that group? Yeah. And I would say that, you know, perimenopause is what we're really talking about, which is the transition before menopause. And perimenopause can last 10 years longer. Menopause symptoms can last. I meet women who go into menopause at 52 and they're at 65, still having menopause symptoms, right? And I work with them. And a lot of times it is shifting their nourishment, right? We as women, and I think culturally, we're so confused about how to nourish ourselves because there's so many people battling for our attention in this very black or white zone. You should be vegan. You know, you should eat meat. You shouldn't eat beans. You should eat beans. It's like, it's just a, it's just a shitty little melting pot of a lot of voices out there. So a lot of times when I get these women who come to me and they're like, I'm night sweats, I'm moody, all of this stuff, you start to actually dial in their nutrition. And a lot of those symptoms can go away. The messed up thing is, is perimenopause can start in your late thirties because we don't know when we're going to go into menopause. Bottom line, we have averages. The average can be anywhere from, you know, the average is like 52, right? But a lot of women can go into menopause at 49, which means you would have started at 39 into perimenopause. And because we don't know when our individual body is going to shut down production, we don't know why we're feeling the way we're feeling. We don't know why at 38 or 39, we're starting to get missed periods or um, night sweats, you know? So it's really up to us as the ones inhabiting our body to go, things don't feel like they used to. Maybe my lifestyle isn't, and the way I'm nourishing myself or not nourishing myself isn't working. Most women are on the pendulum of yo-yo dieting, lose a lot of weight, restrict, restrict, and then expand. Like So what I try to help my clients who are in perimenopause, who, who their estradiol is starting to diminish, progesterone isn't coming up in the same way. If you actually start to contemplate that time in life 
and start to nourish yourself differently and work out differently and no longer do the feast or famine dieting and start to really hone in on day-to-day nourishment, you can really support yourself through this transition that is going to happen to every woman. Um, Some people are going to end up on biologics. I have a lot of clients who've tried it, just didn't work for them. They didn't feel right. Hormone replacement therapy isn't going to be for everyone. And that isn't, you know, there's a lot of talk about it right now, but it's just not the end all be all. So figuring out how to nourish your body properly, I think that really is where the sweet, the sweet spot is. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Well, what I've learned from you and Karen Hurd is that most problems in our body are an overproduction or underproduction of hormones and that it's this fine cocktail that's happening all day, every day in our system. So mm-hmm. I got to believe that the nourishment we're putting in our body that's helping to regulate and flush out and detoxify and digest these hormones really matters first. In addition to lifestyle changes, maybe more rest, maybe more hormone replacement. So it's really helpful to hear. One other thing was a friend of mine is dealing with some mold toxicity. She's lived in a house with mold for two years, her, her husband and son, she's got a two-year-old baby and she's super concerned about that switching into pandas or something for the child because of the toxicity. It, do you deal with that at all with the, the beam protocol in your work? Yeah. And once again, it's now there's going to be a lot of opinions in this space, right? But I am a nutrition practitioner. So everything I do is really focused in on the nutrition. Um, Our bodies are always detoxifying, whether we support it or not, right? We're always sweating, peeing, pooping. These are all detox systems in our body that are constantly working. I think what having a high fiber diet does is it alleviates that circulation of bile, right? Because it's that soluble fiber is going to start binding to some of that bile and alleviating some of these toxins that are recirculating through the enterohepatic recirculation system. And so, you know, a lot of times where the problem comes in with mold is that your body might need help depending on your genetics, killing it off. I have clients who come to me with mold and do the bean protocol. And one of the levers that we, I mean, look, diet is an incredibly powerful lever to pull in your life, period. Something that resonates for you, right? That this omnivore plan, high fiber diet really resonates for me and my body. And, and I think it's important to understand that we have so many protocols out there because of what resonates for people. This resonates for me. It resonates for my community. I love that. We're all eating really well and taking care of ourselves and supporting those detox systems as well. But mold, it's like you go to a naturopath and they're going to put you on things to kill the mold. If you, you know, they're going to do do a lot of expensive testing to figure out the mold. Some bodies genetically don't handle mold as well as others, but there's mold in our air, right? So it is definitely dependent on the person, dependent on the type of mold. In protocol, we use um, a hideous amount of garlic to help the body kill off the mold and support the immune system in that way. But the body is pretty amazing at doing a lot of that once it's no longer exposed as well. Like I said, a lot of people will disagree with that. They'll want to put you on a bunch of binders and you know things to kind of like help in the process. And some bodies tolerate that kind of intervention and some bodies don't. So I usually say, if you're dealing with mold, get out of the mold if you can. You'll see a diminish in symptoms when you just get away from the mold as well. Like I had a lot of clients who felt really sick when they were home, but they couldn't figure out why. And then they go away and go to a family or a parent's house or a vacation and they would feel so good. It's because their home had a lot of mold in it. And as soon as they got away from it, they started feeling better. In some cases, not heavy interventions will be needed because your body is you know, really great at dealing with things like that. But the extra support from diet, soluble fiber, garlic, those kind of things can really help. Okay. Final question is, why do you think some people really hold on to weight? And and when do you see that shift? Like they on the outside look like they're eating healthy. And again, I had my own version of this. What do you believe in terms of the emotional component, the the tactical component? The, have, you, have you seen stuff like that really shift in the work that you've done? Oh yeah. Oh, totally. So there's, I would say weight is really interesting on the very practical level. If somebody, I heard a a food scientist say that uh, weight loss was fighting with your body to give up its stores. Like it's like, you know, come on, oxidize that fat. And the body's like, no, these are my stores. And it's like this funny, like, like, you know, fist fight that happens. People argue about 
like some people who diet their whole lives can downregulate their thyroid, like their thyroid will downregulate if it's not getting enough nutrients is something that they've seen. The term REDS or LEA, low energy availability, I think can happen a lot in, in diet culture, but also women who, who are athletes and restricting their nutrients will start to notice that their body is gaining weight, even though they're under calories, which scientifically, if you are eating a few hundred calories less than your body needs every day, then it should start to oxidize fat and use it right? Like that is what kind of happens in, in weight loss is that you're just, you're not trying to lose weight quickly. You're trying to lose slowly over time. You're slow, you know, just a few hundred calories under so that you're not also sacrificing your health for your weight loss. Right. So if you're a chronic dieter or worker outer, who's constantly under nourishing themselves, your body can drop into this LEA or REDS department where your body will downregulate your thyroid and suddenly you're, you're, even though you're eating too little, your body is storing it as fat as quickly as it can. So you, you see that in some of the scientific studies when it comes to those terms, reds and Leah, but, and then for some people, they think they're in a calorie deficit, but they're not, they're tasting things, they're snacking on things. So they're really not in a calorie deficit. And the only way to really know is to use a tracker and also maybe your body isn't handling carbs as well as another person's body. And it's immediately going into excess and you're turning it to fat. I would say I've noticed clients who add carbs in and start to lose weight because their body just is like, oh, we're still under calorie, but we're getting everything we need. Yeah. Let's go ahead and oxidize that fat. So there's a lot of reasons. It can be pretty individual and pretty complex depending on the person, but the starvation tactic is something I don't love for women. Like I love nourish your body and see where you can create that calorie deficit and, and, and movement. A lot of people work out. So because they worked out, they eat more right. of the wrong things. Right. And then suddenly their workout becomes they're they're no longer in a calorie deficit because they've eaten all those ca calories back. So their body is still either plateaued where it's not able to oxidize that fat. You know, I've been working with my husband on his health internal and external and getting him out of what they call calorie toxicity for his body. And, and if you're sitting all day, like you and I do, we need to be aware of how we nourish ourselves and nourishment to me is like, make sure you're getting adequate protein and then build everything else around that. Right. So that yeah. you have energy, vitality, wellness, but also to me, I'm trying to maintain. So I'm trying to eat the calories that I need to maintain the body I'm in. Cause I'm kind of in a body right now that I really really enjoy and I feel great. My energy is great. So it's like finding that balance between if you want to lose weight, where's that deficit? You need a few hundred calorie deficit usually and some sort of movement plan. And hopefully you're doing it while feeling nourished. So you're not starving and wanting to cut somebody because you're so hungry, right? Like that's not a good sign. Well, and you got to think too, just from a hormonal perspective, like even with uh, fasting, you know, all of a sudden that kicks you, kicks in more adrenaline in your body. And how is that putting your body back into a fight or flight mode, which then might have it hold on to the stores? So I think, I think it really is, does go back to, and this is where I think too, a, a big component is always emotional and mindset. And, and that's what you work so well with people on is really the emotional mindset component. Because now when it's like, I don't have the same story around food. And it's really for fuel and it's to nourish myself and that I trust my body and my body will work and it will detoxify this mold and it will, my immune system is strong. If I don't have it all confused and whacked out with all these extra hormones, my immune system starts working beautifully and I don't get sick. And I, you know, so I think over and over again, what I've noticed, especially because I coach salespeople, but it's so much is the story that we're telling ourselves. And so I think what you provide for people is this path and this other way of looking at it from hormonal regulation and nervous system regulation to say, okay, so if we get those things calmed down and we start clearing the shit out of the body, now our immune system is not confused. It's not dumb. Our pathways are not dumb. They can all start like working back to this optimal place again. So homeostasis. Yeah. Mind, body, spirit, right? It's like, a lot of people disassociate. I used to, I would be working and then I would find myself in the kitchen eating and I would be like, what is happening right now? Like, I'm, I'm like, what is happening? And so I created this presence process for myself of, yes, I eliminated actually 
the next podcast I'm going to be talking about is like how to uncouple emotion from food so that you can have the body you want so that you can have the health that you want. And so much of our habits, um, a lot of people, they won't eat all day and then they'll eat a shit ton at night. Right. And that, and depending on like, you can eat, you can still over like the scientific data right now shows on intermittent fasting. First of all, I don't, recommend it for my women in their fertile years. I think it can be a helpful tool for women in menopause as a way to help lose weight. I find women are much more resilient and calm and responsive versus reactive when they have a good breakfast with enough protein in it. You just set your day up for feeling calm and going into your day powerful instead of not. Obviously, if you're eating crappy foods for breakfast, then you're going to go into your day a little ragged in the first place, right? So it's like really anchoring that that breakfast meal to something really solid. Also, as a 48-year-old woman who is preparing for menopause, I make my biggest meal breakfast, lunch, and then my lighter, more very thought out meal dinner, right? And then I try to have that nice little three-hour fast. I try to do about a 10 to 11-hour fast overnight, and that's it. Like I never skip breakfast. I'm part of the don't skip breakfast crew. (laughs) Do not. Me, Me too. And I do think that I started learning how important protein is and how much protein. And, and you, when you do just spend a couple weeks tracking and you go, oh, like I'm really, really, really undergunned with protein. And so like my breakfasts are monster. Like I'm eating three whole eggs with, you know, the veggies and the beans and the sauerkraut, but it's big, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting a win early in the day. Yes. And then where I can improve right now. And I was thinking about this morning is that I usually make a salad with beans and protein on it. So if I've got leftover chicken, that's it. If it's steak, it's steak. If it's smoked salmon, it's smoked salmon. But it's not enough because at three o'clock, I'm three, four o'clock, I'm ready for another. And I come home and I'm just eating in the fridge. And I'm eating all, (laughs) I go right to beans. (laughs) It's amazing, like always having beans ready. I will like, cause I think it's regulating my hormones. I think it's like helping my blood sugar. Like I go to that adrenaline, right away. <laughs> adrenaline same thing. So I think I could do a double lunch, you know, but I'm like still running to the bathroom to go pee and back. Like I'm like everybody else, hardly giving myself enough time and space, but getting if, like you said on the interview we did together that you try to get 25 to 35 grams of protein at each meal. And, and once you get an idea of what that looks like, you can manage it anywhere, anytime, however you do it. And there's yeah, just kind yeah. of no excuses. If you get stuck at a subway, like that sucks, but you can eat tuna salad and, you know, eat yeah, your beans ask, later. <laughs> and ask for a sandwich wrapped in lettuce. You know, if you're not taking, you don't want to take down a lot of carbs. Some people after eating that kind of carbs can feel really tired based on blood sugar. And as we get closer to menopause, we can be a little insulin resistant, which is, you know, really packing on that visceral fat around the belly. You know, as we lose estradiol, we are more prone to store fat. So there's a lot of things just by under, I mean, I'm a planner. I I didn't know this about myself and my husband when I'm like, I'm a planner. He's like, yeah, you think? And I'm like, (laughs) like I started researching menopause when I turned 45, you know, because I was like, oh, if it happens at 50, I better start figuring out how to nourish myself now and how to like protect myself. I always keep protein in my bag. You know, I, I, if, if you need to stop at a drive through fast food and get just a hamburger patty or whatever, like that's a better option than eating that thing of fries, to be quite honest. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's really beginning to understand like our protein needs don't get less as we get older. They actually More. increase is what the science is currently saying. So if your body uses a, a plant protein efficiently, I, I'll just tell this funny story. I have these this husband and wife who are both more plant-based, he's thriving. He's getting enough from his, his plant foods and she's not. And I think there's something genetic. There's something going on that some people can thrive with more plant proteins and some people can. And I don't think they've figured out why that is yet, but I see it in my practice all the time where people really have an ideology that they don't want to eat animal protein. But then as soon as they're due, it's like their body, they're like, I have energy, I'm sleeping. So If you're listening to this, like really hone in and figure out what you need to thrive because I don't believe we're here to simply survive anymore. That's not the tone of life. It's like, what do you need to thrive? What is going to put you in the position to give back? Do that. Feel great. Don't wake up feeling like crap all the time and starving yourself. Like really hone in and and understand your individual needs and, and, you know, your output for your life. But yeah, 
always have protein in your bag. There's great options that are not full of pupukaki, you know, which you can always have in your purse as a safeguard to your day. And I find that if I'm going a little long in something and I just grab some protein, I am immediately perk back up. Me too. Um, yeah. So you're awesome. We could talk all day. I did exactly. I'm <laughs> like, I could keep going. You know, it's fun for, this is fun to be on the other end of it. But as I'm, as people are listening to this interview, I'm like, oh, I wish they would listen to the one that we did because putting you on the stand and getting to spend all this time talking to you was such a joy in my life. And I can't even tell you, you know, I created this, this vision to serve my clients and my community in a, in a bigger way in 2024, because I've been doing this for 20 years and I've got 5,000 past clients that I've worked with and on and on. And so you allowing me to interview you and share your story, I can't tell you how many people texted me and I felt it were like, I'm crying. Like I can so relate to so many different aspects of your story of, you know, being broken down and going through the healing and feeling hopeless and, you know, finding your way through. And so anyway, this has just been an honor for you to interview me, but I just want to say thank you for what you do for all of us that oh, get to learn from you. Thank you. And thank you for coming on and talking. I, I, I so appreciate you, everything that you're doing in your community. Definitely. You can have me come and chat to your community anytime. And I recommend those listening, go check out Shayla. I will link all of her information. She's a badass. If she doesn't inspire you, I don't know what will. And yeah, just keep taking care of yourself and living your most incredible life. And I adore you. And, you know, I'm always here for you anytime. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel that. I really do. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming and chatting and sharing your awesome story. And we didn't take the normal route of like, the Bean Protocol healing story, but I think who you are and how you live and how you nourish speaks for itself. So I hope everybody listening had as much fun as I did. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Shayla. Like I said, high energy. She is a force. And what I love, again, so much about her story is that Everyone is different. What you need is different. How you nourish is going to slightly differ from one person to the next. Shayla has found her balance and will continue to find her balance. And knowing her, she will constantly be course correcting as she goes so that she can be a badass today, tomorrow, and always. I love, I love it. So I hope you're as inspired as I am. And wherever you are in this beautiful world, I hope you are taking care of your amazing, amazing human body. 